I walked into it pretty dumb, pretty dumb about how it was going to go and um, the way it was going to go down because I did have this glossed overview that the Lord is going to like walk me through this and I'm not going to get disappointed because the Lord goes ahead of me. I've yet to meet anybody who can say that fully and especially in their youth and then not go through the, you know, the mountain climb of reality checks that bring us to these places where we really have to look at why does validation mean so much to us? Hey everybody, this is Rita Springer. Welcome to Worship is My Weapon. And on this episode, I just really want to talk about a couple things that I know for me in my journey in being like in worship in the industry, um, but I think just in general, like, um, I don't think it's a male, female thing. I think it's in all of us, but the, the need to be validated in, um, maybe a, a myriad of just aspects in our life, but validated for what we do, validated even in our faith for what God's called us to, um, and vindicated. I think those are two words that I've just been kind of mulling around with in the last couple of weeks and in conversations, they just keep coming up in these conversations that I'm having. And I've actually just sat down and started thinking how those two words in my life have had to be words that I understood the, um, uh, uh the effect of them and what I needed from them, but finding a balance in how I needed them and how I applied them to my life. Especially, I think for me, there's the side of me, I think being in the music industry, and I, I've probably said this on the show <laughs> a couple times. If not, I know I, I, when I talk about church woundedness or church hurt with people, I, I can honestly tell you that for me, as much as I could list things that I have seen in the church that just really bum me out and that I would, I would just, I, I would love to see differently. I have grown into this understanding how to separate people from God and people that carry some bad behavior into the church and leadership and all those things. It's like when I encounter now kind of a bad leader, I basically am just like, I can separate the bad leader from a good God. And I think that's something that uh, we really need to get better at as believers is separating bad people from a good God. God's always good. He'll always be good. To classify him as anything other than is really not, um, it's, it's actually limiting God from what he's really valued at. He's a good God. He'll always be good. When we use the terms like trying to find validation, for me being in the industry, I, I've said, you know, I understand church woundedness and church hurt, but really, if I'm going to talk about where my heart's located, it's kind of located in um, the biz, like in the in the industry, the music industry, Christian worship music industry, because a lot of my identity crises and, and what I have carried in worship and carried in songwriting has been obliterated by um, conversations and seasons of you know, looking and trying to find record labels and making records and getting distribution and all of those things where, where these two words 
validation and then trying to be vindicated really have swarmed around my life. And I have lived in seasons where validation was everything. And, and then I've lived in other seasons where vindication for a season that just went awry seemed to be everything. And I have really tried to track in my Christian life and my relationship with God how to do it well, and how to pull in those words from maybe a biblical perspective, yes, but really from from a conversation and encounter with the Lord where where you give those words kind of back to him, and then he you know describes what those words are to him and how he applies those to our lives so i I you know i I, I meet with new artists all the time, a lot of the times in songwriting rooms. And, and sometimes I get really scared for these new artists because I realize, oh, they're at the beginning stages of, if you don't walk into, into uh, your vocation, really being aware of what you do and what you carry. And not all of us are, are like that. We don't come into um, we don't come into our youth with a great um, sense of knowledge. I think it's a, you walk that out in your youth to get to maturity, but in the industry in songwriting and where I've been, you know, I, I walked into it pretty dumb, pretty dumb about, um, about how it was going to go and um, the way it was going to go down because I did have this glossed overview that, oh, I'm doing this, <clears throat> I'm doing this for the Lord. So the Lord owns my life, right? The Lord is going to like walk me through this and I'm not going to get disappointed because the Lord goes ahead of me. Well, the reality of it is as much as we want to say that that's what we believe and that's what we rest in, I've yet to meet anybody who can say that fully and especially in their youth and then not go through the, you know, the mountain climb of reality checks that bring us to these places where we really have to look at why does validation mean so much to us? Why does um, being validated mean so much to us? Bible talks a lot about it, but in terms of where the importance of it is, I really do think that it's kind of biblical. I think that um, God puts on us the need to be noticed. I, I see that in scripture, especially out of Mark 5, we know the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Now, when we when we hear that story taught about, and um, we even read that story in the Bible, the the clarity of it, I think the the beauty of that story is that by the time the woman enters into the picture, she enters into the picture in a maturity in her pursuit. She's not entering into the picture of this storyline um, new at the game. She's had the disease. She understands what she's um, what she's dealing with, and she's lost her sense of I need him to do this in order for me to feel this. And I think that is a, 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 almost a perfect place to start because it does set up the character as having already pursued things prior that's led her to the desperate course that she's on in that area of Mark chapter five, where she just wants to get to the hem. 
And she doesn't have to say anything. She doesn't have to do anything. She's not trying to bother anybody. She knows that what she's doing um, has an effect on other people because of her disease. Uh, it's probably not in the best interest of other people that she's out. I think she realizes that. But being desperate in your search to do what you know to do because it may be the last resort or it may be the final option or if we're going to settle it here, it is um, it is the um, the best approach to self, you know, putting yourself to the side and and just going after the Lord. And so she touches the hem and Jesus makes the statement of who touched me. And I don't think it was about him wanting to dime her out or him wanting to bring her um, into public scrutiny. I, I don't think that's God's heart at all. I do think it is about the Lord for me. Like when I, I've read this and really talked to the Lord about it, which that's how I love scripture. So if I can just insert an encouragement to those of you that are reading scripture, I think sometimes we read scripture as it relates to what we've heard other people say or what we've, um, uh, you know, the messages that we've heard on Sunday mornings at our church services or the, the Bible theologians that we follow. I just think it's such great practice that when we read scripture, that we ask God to actually speak to us and show us what he's trying to tell us in the moment. And so that's what I do when I'm kind of reading scripture. And I remember reading this for the first time and saying that to the Lord, like, what what do I need to know about me in the middle of this? Like, I love this story, God. I think it's so relevant to need and to push and to um, desperate, the desperate quality of, um, I want to get to God no matter how um, hard it is to press into that. I want to, to, to find myself at the place of desperateness, even when I've exhausted all other avenues. What will I find at the hem of the Lord? And so obviously she finds healing, but she finds healing after he says to her, when she says, you know, when she makes herself known, he says, you know, your woman, your, your faith is healed, you go. I think what the Lord was really challenging me with in this moment of reading scripture is the validation that I was born to receive from the Lord of being noticed by God in the reach that I make, not just in a desperate reach, but wanting me to know, hey, I get the journey, I get the cost, I I know that you've been banging on my door. It's like the 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 widow who drops the last penny in the box, and there's um, a notice of her. It's these stories in Scripture where we don't know the back end story of these characters. But what's being pointed out is the notification of what they do, having God seeing them and validating that what they're reaching for is something that is seen by heaven. And I don't know where um, you guys are when you get on uh, these particular um, moments on YouTube or these podcasts that you're listening to. When you get on here, my heart is to encourage you in whatever it is God's got you in pursuit of. But I think that there is such a need in the body of Christ to really talk about the validity of validation 
and how it gets us entangled with the things that um, lead us to comparison and then lead us to um, a self-identity war. And I I see this kind of happening all around me and even having conversations with the Lord about the, the vocal volume of opinion that sometimes we see in social media and and I sometimes I sit back at the loudness of it because it's so, I'm so overwhelmed by the strong opinions of other people in things that sometimes are just like it's it's so um, ludicrous some of these uh, <laughs> some of these vocal opinions that take uh, people down roads that I just think are like where in the world did you get to that road. And I think a lot of that is an identity crisis with who that we think we know that we are in Christ. And when you don't know what you are in Christ, there are pieces of you floating out there in all the circumstance of your life, um, trying to find a fit, trying to find a place to fit into that leads you to almost this um, flailing about of, um, of just question. And I have struggled in my journey with the Lord, in all honesty, with uh, just these these areas of validation. Now, when I when I talk about the word validation, um, I have wanted to be validated, obviously, in my craft. I've wanted to be validated as a daughter to my parents. I've wanted to be validated as a sibling to my. Um, uh, brothers and sisters, I've wanted to be validated as a friend. Am I doing enough? You know, am I, uh, you know, I, I had a, uh, a little bit of a journey um, when I met up with somebody that I thought I was generous. Well, they're just like 10 times more generous than me. And then all of a sudden I felt like my credibility went to the floor because I wasn't as generous in them. And should I be as generous as them? And should I try to, you know, do those kinds of things to do more than I can and, and, and having to catch myself in areas where I'm like, look, finding balance. I talk about it all the time. I've talked about it in, in other podcasts. Balance is my favorite word. So finding balance in anything that we're doing is the first question that we should ask. Where is my balance in needing to be uh, validated? And is my um, validation coming from the right resources? Is is what I'm looking for coming from the right places that I'm looking for it to come through? And obviously, I'm going to push those of you to this place of... um, you know, finding the Lord in, in validation. If we center ourselves on what God says we are worthy of, then, and, and that is our center. And we keep ourselves in that circle of, of the center of God's, um, God's belief in us. I mean, I, I can tell you that I just remember, I call these like life moments, but, and I'm so thankful for them. And I, I have kept a track record, even in ministry, of um, back when people actually used to send letters and greeting cards in the in the mail. I would get a lot of mail for people from people that would listen to my music, and they would they would tell me their stories, tell me their testimonies, and you know it would be an easy thing to read these kind of letters and just fold them up and be like that blessed me. But the Lord always told me to keep these things, so I kept them in a box, and. 
when I needed to actually speak life over my soul, I would go back to these bo- this box of letters and the Lord would have me open these letters up and read them out loud to validate what the Lord had already told me that he had given me, but that circumstance or life altercations or somebody else's voice or um, a job that you didn't get or an event that you didn't get to be a part of or a song that didn't go the way you thought it was going to go or an album that didn't sell or stream the way you wanted it to sell or stream or whatever the case was. And I'm kind of being more relevant in my world, but that would tell you the opposite of how you felt. And God has primed us. um, All of us have it. You just have to look at where there is testimony in your life to reach back, to revalidate yourself for what the Lord has done. If you grew up and you didn't have a lot of great words of affirmation, and this is just beyond even our love language. You know, some of us, one of our love languages is words of affirmation. But if you didn't grow up with words of affirmation, then validation is probably really, really, in fact, I've seen it in a different vein in men than I I see it in women. Women carry the insecurity quite more loudly than men do. Men bury their insecurities um, uh, a little bit deeper. And, but, but a man, a man's honor and his validation is really kind of um, thrown and found in the respect that he gets. And I have been raising uh, a, a boy for, and now he's a man, for almost 19 years. And so I've had to learn that. Now, I didn't learn that because I read a bunch of books about it. I learned that because I would have these conversations with the Lord about the way justice needed to be validated, the way he needed to be esteemed, the way he needed to be honored, the way he needed to be believed in, that I, as the parent, held all of the verbiage for. And so I think a lot of us, um, we teeter off the edge of some of these things because we grew up in homes that didn't have a lot of that as a learning tool. And I didn't necessarily have uh, parents. I mean, my father was gone by the time I was nine. My mother was gone by the time I was 21. And it wasn't as if I had parents that verbalized what I would have loved to, to hear. You know, we grow up and sometimes we're like, um, I, I, I laugh about it all the time because, you know, I, I can't seem to find what it is I am. You know, you can't, sometimes you can't seem to find in your life what it is, you know, you give to other people. And I think some of that is the Lord and some of that is sad, but, um, I just always wanted to go overboard and, and be all the things that I knew I could be right so that I had a shorter list of all of my shortcomings and when I, when I became a mother to justice, I remember having these conversations with the Lord that were literally started out of absolute sheer terror and fear of how I was going to find the ability and the strength to do what I felt like God asked me to do by adopting a child as a single person. And perhaps even at that age of 37, back then, not knowing what the future would, would be, but doing it alone. When you're like, I don't know then if I'm going to be, be doing this alone with another human being. Maybe I'll get married in a few years. I don't know. But, you know, I, there, there was no road. There, this, I'd never walked down this road before. I only could walk into that 
because I had enough belief about him in me that he told me I was strong enough to actually do it. And so I go back to lean on those really early conversations with God in my faith when I got to know the Lord, and then I would test the voice of God and learn how to hear the Lord. And I remember the 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 most earth-shattering kind of thing for me. People, people, I get the question a lot like, when did God's voice become such a, a, a um, such a resource for you? Because people, I, 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 when I talk to people, I talk, and when I talk to, you know, to you guys just in these podcasts and these episodes, I, I'm going to talk to you the way that the Lord talks to me. I talk to the Lord very easily. Some of you don't have that ease that, that in conversation that I have with the Lord, I've grown into that. It wasn't like that growing up. I think I came to the Lord fumbling like a blethering idiot most of the time, but I had a, a discerning understanding, maybe because watching my father and his charisma before the Lord, but I did have this kind of intuit knowledge and maybe an internal thing that said, uh, God loves conversation. Like he he loves to be talked to and he loves to be asked questions and I'm an inquiring mind. And so I would just ask the question. And I remember having a turning point with the Lord in conversation where the the whole idea of validation from God took a turn. And it was painful. It was it was actually super painful in the beginning. He said to me that he didn't want me to ask um uh, how he loved me because the Bible was full of how he loved me. You know, he shed his, his blood for me. That's part of, you know, how he loved me. He, he calls me, you know, uh, fearfully and wonderfully made like all this stuff that I had rehearsed as a kid that kind of became like black and white words that never really stuck deep down into the, the soil of my soul until I started having these conversations with the Lord. And I grew up needing validation. As a young girl, fifth out of six kids, um, the fifth one really doesn't get um, a lot of photographs, and they also don't get a lot of validation. And so I grew up with a need to be, I wouldn't even say notice because I think my code name was now you see or now you don't, but I had strong things about me that grabbed people's attention. So I always talked with this deep gravelly voice. So the moment that I spoke in grade school, uh, I had this raspy voice. So I was, um, I, I was known for the things that, that would step out in front of myself, which, um, you know, back when I was in grade school, even the sound of my voice, I just didn't like to talk a lot because it was quite noticeable. And nobody said back then that that was cool until I was in high school. And people um, would, would tell me I spoke like Demi Moore, the actress. And all of a sudden it became that kind of cool thing. And even nowadays when my friends' kids have husky voices, it's like this cool thing. Well, I think I actually have a husky voice because I um, broke my nose without ever getting um, medical attention by falling down a hill one day and, and have a deviated septum, but I can't get my nose fixed because 
my voice became the way that it became. And my singing voice is now registered based on that. So that if I were to have a surgery on my, on my nose and reconstruct that deviated septum, I would risk perhaps my, um, my singing voice changing. So, you know, my ENT at the time finding all this information out said, why do you think Barbara Streisand's never had a nose done? So, uh, it's those kind of things. It's like set me apart, but put me out in front of people. And so they weren't things that I felt comfortable with. And so I almost felt they were things that were my insecurities, the sound of my voice. Um, you know, I carried weight as a kid. I didn't feel like, like I was pretty, uh, I, I wasn't what my sister was. And, and so there was all of this insecurity padded around me. So that when I began to converse with the Lord, even in my, um, you know, my late teens, when it got a little bit more serious in early twenties, he, he didn't want me to, to, to ask him the question of how he loved me. One day he just said, I, I need you to ask me why I love you. Cause there are reasons why I love you. And, and it came out of a conversation that I was having with him about my calling. And I was involved in worship and he basically just said, you know, um, with whatever you do in song, in writing, in in, in worship, in singing, you're gonna you're gonna minister to women. And my automatic response was, well, I think I said hell to the no, but um, I was like, there's no way I'm doing this. Like, I don't have any kind of like heart for women. I don't really like being around them. Like at that point, I was just really. Uh, just kind of like, it was just kind of, um, I, I don't even know what you want to call it. It wasn't like I was anti-women. I just, I didn't like me. So if you, when you don't like yourself or when you see something in a negative reflection in yourself, you're not going to go um, for something that you feel insecure in. And I, and I just knew it. It was like, how do you, how do you encourage in other people, what you can encourage for yourself. And so that was a big conversation that I had with the Lord. And I didn't feel also that I had any kind of validation. I, there was nothing in me that gave me any kind of go ahead that I had the access to ever say anything encouraging to somebody else in, of my gender, because I would never tell somebody else that they were this and this and this, if I couldn't believe that about myself. And so I remember that set me on a course where God really had to, to have me go in search of asking him the question, will you validate me with your love? Will you validate me with the whys of how you feel about me? And that changed the course of my life. Because when I started to hear things from the Lord, I was hearing things that I knew had to be the Lord because I wouldn't say those things about myself. And they were life-changing things. And so I realized God was trying to actually validate me first with his love and with the unfailing quality of his love. That when I veer off course in um, starting to compare myself with people or thinking that I, my problem is never now ever since that moment with other people. Again, I can separate people's, you know, poor comments. I can separate, you know, um, industries, you know, uh, 
standards or their, you know, opinions from the Lord's opinion. I, I have the ability now in my fifties to do that. I can do that really well, but it does bounce back to, um, if I'm going to question anybody's, um, loyalty to me, if I'm going to question anybody's favor on me, if I'm going to question anybody's blessing on me, it's always going to be right back with God. Are you sure this is how you feel? Are you sure this is how you feel? Are you sure this is how you feel? And I don't know why we do it, you guys. I, I, I know that it's part of our flesh and the tangling that our flesh does. And when we're on a road to, to learn things and we're, we're gaining kingdom understanding, you know, the Bible talks about going from glory to glory to glory. I think the attack is just stronger. And I think where, where I am on this journey of, you know, I want to get freer and, you know, Bible really talks about that freedom and talks about, you know, to he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I'm like, well, that's freedom. And then that gives way to freedom and that gives way to freedom and that gives way to freedom. And I want my life to be a course of getting free and then free and then free and then free. So your, your, um, your mind is less confused in those moments. And that is a, an addiction for me. Like when I get free of something, it causes me to want to press in to get freer and freer and freer. And I'm telling you, if you've never tried it, you should try it. It's actually quite um, liberating uh, because I, I, I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm onto something with that. But when you bounce back, because we're always going to have the bounce back, I will always bounce back to the favor of the Lord. I will always bounce back to the thing that has been my greatest struggle, the thing that has been my most discouraging place in life. And, and for many of us, it is, if this hasn't happened, does that devalue us in the eyes of God? If God hasn't answered this prayer, does that mean that the favor of God is gone now? If, if God's waiting for this and he just doesn't seem to want to listen and he's not answering these prayers and I've I, I've got a track record of following the Lord. Does that mean that I'm no longer seen by God? Obviously, the the know that you know that you know that you know that you know. That's not the right answer. Does God see us? Yes, God sees us. But there is this thing that that I, I think on our flesh that has to constantly be reminded. Can I find true validation in the presence of the Lord? And do I, will it constantly be a battle for me to, to seek that? And I, I'm not quite sure if I have like found, um, the altar, the full altar of that, but I do know that the more that I remind myself that God is for me and remind myself of scripture, I'm just going to even read like this simple Psalm 37 I like to actually, and I'll challenge you guys, when you're reading scripture, um, it's really great to read verses above the, the, the verse that means so much to you, because a lot of times scripture is just kind of surrounded and cloaked in so much more understanding. But Psalm 37 starts off, it's a Psalm of David, and it says, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. 
He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. He will make your your righteous reward. He will validate you, and other scriptures say he will validate you and he will vindicate you. And but when you think about it, you know that that scripture is surrounded by words like don't fret when things go astray. Don't fret when people do evil things, because this stuff is not lasting. You know, things will grow and things will die away, but trust in the Lord. Trust in safe pastor. Find the safe pastor. Take delight in the Lord. Remember, when we take delight in the Lord, when we put our song in the Lord, all of a sudden our heart feels like he's our desire. I don't see that verse as saying, um, you know, the way I've heard it taught growing up, you know, uh, seek the Lord while he may be found and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Man, if you seek him, if you pray, he's just going to answer every prayer. That's not what the scripture is saying. Make your song about the Lord. Make, um, make the Lord your, your melody. And when you make God's way, your melody, he becomes your song. He becomes your chorus. He becomes your verse. He becomes those things. And when he becomes those things, then you can rush secure to know that his validation is on you and you dwell in this place with him because the favor of the Lord is already on you and vindication comes from the Lord. There have been moments in my life, you guys, where man, I've struggled with and every time I put out a record, like I'm right now in the process of like, um, which we're going to make a whole series of the Fed by Ravens process, because this new record that I'm in the process of releasing in 2024 is called Fed by Ravens. And it's this whole season I've had to walk out where these two words have come into the center of the ring together to battle it out. You know, validation and vindication, validation and vindication. And man, I'm too old. I know that I know that I know that I know. But there is still these things that happen in our life where we realize, oh my gosh, I've left the safe pasture of the Lord. I've started to listen to the voice of other things. I'm surrounded by circumstance and the evidence that perhaps God has left me. And that devalues me and creates this place in me where I question the loyalties of God and I find myself in a dry bed of the lack of thinking God is with me, thinking God is for me. And so walking some of these things out, there have been moments that the Lord, you know, I I have that chest of letters to go through, but there have been these really kind of cool moments. And I was talking to a friend this week and, and it was just kind of funny because she was like, why Why, do you, do you ever tell those kind of stories on the podcast? And I'm like, not all the time. Like, I think sometimes I cherish, you know, some stories, but I, I think I want to make it relevant to you guys because as, as much as we grow and mature in the Lord, our humanity is always at the door of our spirituality, banging on the door of our spirituality, trying to get in and trying to wreak havoc in these areas of our hearts where we're pretty safe and secure in the spirit. But our flesh will start to roam in these areas and be like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure that God's 
validating you? Are you sure that God's going to vindicate you in that? Um, you know, I, I, I was sitting a, a few years ago in a coffee shop in Nashville and I was just having a low moment of why do I do these things? Like, like just questioning the music, which I know is probably crazy to so many of you guys out there. It's like, but I want you guys to know that those of us that you think have it all together, we don't have it all together. Like we don't have it all together. None of us have it all together. We are just works in progress. And I think I want to make that vulnerable to you guys. So you don't think that we walk around thinking that we're know-it-alls. I sometimes feel like most of the time I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I know the least of anybody, but I, I, what makes me willing is that I am, I'm just honest. And I think that living a life of honesty and vulnerability keeps me on track. And it keeps me like the Lord can lean, lean down and he can, he can yank my chain when he wants to yank my chain and bring me back into the alignment but there are moments when I spend, I spend seasons kind of tweaked, you know, spend seasons just being like, eh, I know that I know that I know that I know, but I have to remind myself, I have to remind myself. And I, I was, this was just one of these low moments. I was just kind of being, I'm super sarcastic anyway with the Lord. And so I was just at this coffee shop and I just was like, man, why do I do this? Like, if this isn't working and this isn't working. And I think I was really thinking about, you know, I, I had, I, um, uh, COVID had kind of put an end to this really beautiful school I used to do for creative arts called the dive school. And, um, and I was thinking about that and I was like, I mean, what's it all for? Like, what's it all for? And I just was answering emails on the computer as I was kind of like, um, being kind of sarcastic and a little bit, um, mean maybe to the Lord, um, about some stuff. And I opened up an email and I've gotten many emails like this. And that's why I keep them kind of locked and filed. But this woman begins to email me um, about her husband and his um, life as an astronaut. And she just tells me the story of how he had ended up going to the moon. Um, and he took on this flight to the moon. He took one of my CDs with him and it was her favorite music too. And, um, She'd introduced, I think she'd introduced me to him. And it was one of the things he took the, to the moon with him. And she began to just kind of describe that when an astronaut goes to the moon, everything is itemized that they have up there uh, in case anything happens. And of course, um, I don't know, I don't remember which um, reentry this was, but it was, there aren't many of them that have had this, but it was one of the challengers where upon reentry into our atmosphere, um, the, uh, the shuttle caught fire and everybody on board was eliminated. And it was a very sad story, but she was telling me this after I had just kind of, you know, said this sarcastic thing to the Lord of where does my music go? And, and she was describing that a piece of that shuttle had been found and, um, had been brought to her because, uh, the, the case or, or, part of that CD that I had was melted to the side of the shuttle. And it was really this glorious story, like this far out, just insane, absolutely stunning story. And the Holy Spirit just said to me, I, I, I sent you to the moon. And here I was, it still actually makes me super emotional thinking about it. Cause here I, here I am 
in this self-inflicted, you know, spiritual gunshot wound of, do I matter? Am I validated? Am I credible? And the Lord's like, you know, this wasn't a story about an award I got or some, you know, uh, royalty check that was in the millions. It had nothing to do with any of that. It was one story of a woman and her husband and, um, and his trip to the moon. And in that moment of reading that thing, I, I just was so brought back down to this simplistic format of, you know, why did you start doing this? Because I didn't start doing what I do to do all the accolades, to get all the accolades and have shelves of awards. I never did it for that. It just wasn't in my wheelhouse. Um, I had already sold out to do it for what it was supposed to be done for. And yet here I was and the, and the, um, the reality and the beauty and the bringing it right back to center was I did it so that people would be ministered to and they would feel the presence of the Lord the way I was ministered to and felt the presence of the Lord. And so I think, um, you know, when we talk about feeling the, the validation and the vindication from the Lord, we have to remember that. And I know that I've talked so much more about validation, but I, I think I've, I've done that because vindication comes for us when we do not question our validity in the situation or God's ability to handle it. And I really want you to hear me say that. I have felt vindicated by the Lord when I have understood my worth and my value and my um, honor in who he says I am. And that in and of itself has brought such um, vindication in any given situation. Sometimes vindication doesn't come with our enemies getting, um, getting it. I mean, we start off that way. It would be really great if some of our enemies, you know, got the kibbutz, but they, a lot of times our enemies prosper and that's just the way it is. You know, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. But what has actually leveled me is sometimes hearing, you know, things about my enemies that later on after an incident that just so grieve me about their lives falling apart and realizing that my life in the situation needing the vindication from the Lord um, was found in the peace of God just coming and validating me. And sometimes for other people, when they're searching for things and they're not looking for that, their lives just go into ruins. And I, I, I want to leave that with you today that if you are struggling with validation and being vindicated over a situation, maybe in a job, over you know a family a situation, uh, maybe it's a circumstance, maybe it's a disease. I don't know what it is. Unanswered prayer. Um, I I I want you just to ask yourself the question: Who are you needing validation from the most? Um, we'll never get it from the people that we're we're usually seeking it out from the humanity that we're seeking it from. And if you're looking at it from the Lord, he's already given it to you. And so you're going to have to look at the circumstances and how you're viewing the circumstances 
and what you hold God accountable for in the circumstances as it relates to validation and vindicating your circumstances. And I just want to, I really just want to encourage you that you'll get there. Like maybe it's not today, maybe it's not tomorrow, but don't put your head on the chopping block of always being in comparison and always needing, you know, um, your, uh, worth checked and, and feeling the fight of that a lot of times. We'll get there as long as we keep putting our, um, our fate in the hands of the Lord. Maybe some of you have just exceeded everything else and you're at the point where you're like, I'm just here. And I feel like the Lord even prophetically wants to show some of you like in that verse in Mark 5, that story, the woman with the issue of blood, that it's like, you know what? Maybe all you need the Lord to do is just say, who touched me? You know, just get there. If you could just get to the hem, if you could just touch the hem, um, feel the Lord's presence and, and just saying, hey, look, it's it's your faith that I'm after. It's just your faith and your belief that you know that you know that you know that I think the Lord is really after in us. And so I hope that encourages you guys. Uh, I know that I've had so many conversations about people struggling for this. And I wanted to encourage those of you just in this in this boat of, you know, one oar is your vindication and one oar is your validation and you're rowing with these two oars trying to get to some place. And I just think we need to um, reevaluate where we get our value and where we get our defense. So I hope that blesses you uh, today in your journey with the Lord. I'm trying to give you guys tools you know, some tools that I've used in my belt as is your weapon in, in worship. And and I hope that maybe rest and just laying down your opinion um, in in the need that you fight for so deeply for God to, to validate you and um, whatever it is to, to just let go and maybe let the Lord's um, love overcome you today. So bless you. And um, I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for you guys in this journey that you're on. I'm on your side. I'm fighting for you.